Welcome to another episode of the Game Preview Podcast presented by LifeLock. Week 13, Jets-Falcons. We got Robert Sala in the house. He caught up with EA earlier this week. Cynthia Freeland in the house, as always, each and every week. Cynthia, nice to see you. Happy post-Thanksgiving. I'm still full. How about you? Yeah, I'm still full. I'm still full. I'm just raining in the leftovers. And uh, I'm my bank account's hurting because Black Friday... You know, I had to get some some gifts for the holidays. And Good job I, for I, you. I didn't do anything. Oh, come on. You didn't do I anything? I didn't buy a thing. I, I bought some stuff on Cyber Monday. I cannot stand going on Black Friday. Oh, like, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Jerks. No, I, I okay. I did online Black Friday shopping. So okay. It's, it's like, okay. yeah, I'm not going in store for anything. No, no. There's no, like, I don't think you could pay me enough. Like, I people are crazy. I don't understand it. What percentage of your shopping for the holidays, though, is done after this weekend? Or are you like a last-minute gifter? Ten. Nice. I'm not a last-minute gifter. I just, like, I like I hate searching through, like, mountains of I have to, like, really be in the mood. And I, I don't know. I had a whole family here. The whole, I don't know. I just, ugh. Like, I'm not a big shopper. Okay. Not, it's not my So not 10%. Yeah, 10%. Okay. We're, we're, we're not doing great yet. Let, let's <laughs> loop this into the Jets news of the week and we'll play a percentage game is your 10% a higher or lower number than the percentage that you believe Aaron Rodgers will play a game in the 2023 season because the Jets have activated his practice window which means they have 21 days to decide if he will be on the active roster or not even if he's on the active roster doesn't necessarily mean that he'll play but I'm curious, where do you put that percentage in relation to your shopping percentage? About the same. I mean, maybe a little better for Rogers. Like, why would you activate him into that 21-day window if you weren't at least really considering it, right? And my, I, like, very much believe that this week will be a win against the Falcons, which it's, it's not the biggest playoff hopes, but it keeps the door yes. open. And it opens the door just a little bit more. And I think that if there's a chance to make the playoffs, I feel like that percentage goes way higher because Aaron Rodgers is a competitor. He wants to be on the, I cannot believe it. First of all, we have to say happy birthday to him because he has got the big four handle <laughs> birthday on Saturday. That's amazing, right? Uh, you're 40 years old. You're coming back from an Achilles in record time. Watching him walk, you wouldn't know he had it. Now I'm not a doctor, so I like can't diagnose someone's gait, but my, naive eye seems to think like wow like what what an amazing feat like 40 feels ancient in football you know and does john polano even understand like what <laughs> 40 means like is he i don't know if he's like i don't know if he knows so what 25 years. means you know no. i say 25 it's more like 27 you know like when when maybe you're waking up on a sunday after and going out with like, your friends uh, not the same uh, uh, yeah and like, like look everyone does Everyone doesn't want to believe it, but it happens. Uh, look, there's a lot of there's not a lot of certains in life. Father time, certain and undefeated. Undefeated. Yep. <laughs> but I will say, just in terms of Rogers, a couple things: the fact that he's practicing even on a limited Amazing. basis. I mean, that's just crazy. We're talking about 79 days after rupturing his Achilles, he's practicing. He, he's in a red contact uniform behind me on the field somewhere or non-contact uniform. That's probably pretty important. I think everyone picked up on that. But look, I, I think that what he's doing is crazy. And 
for the Jets, like to your point, like it, there's a, a couple different groups of the fans. I think there's a group of the fans that's like, you know what? Maybe you'll rattle off a couple wins. Falcons, Texans, maybe you go one and two in your next three. That that third game is in Miami, which is a difficult game for even if the Jets had Aaron Rodgers, let alone uh, a backup quarterback starting that game, most likely. And then they have three games, all winnable. Commanders at home, at Cleveland, and who's going to be playing quarterback for the Browns at that point, and then finishing up at New England. Like, I believe that there's a group of positive-thinking Jets fans out there who are like, you know what? Three weeks without Rodgers, you skate by, maybe you win two out of the next three, then with Aaron Rodgers potentially in the lineup, you end up 9-8. and eight. Like, I know that would be almost preposterous, but it's a real positive way to think about it. But also, like, talk about Hollywood. That would be Hollywood ending. That would be such a Hollywood ending. But here's the other thing, too. I think there's a lot of value in having Aaron Rodgers be there for evaluating, like, what's going on with the wide receiver group around him. What are the O-line needs? I feel like, you know, we say these, like, silly cliches, like, he's a coach on the field. But he is kind of a coach (laughs) on the field, right? Like, he can tell you which of the O-linemen are doing the things that project well for next season, given what he'd like to execute. So there's a lot of value to him being out there, even if he doesn't play a game. So the Jets fans should be positive kind of either way, because knowing what, how someone practices, how they are evolving in their trajectories, like what's going on, like, you know, you guys are right there and you still don't even know exactly how it feels to be on that field and understand like what it's like, what it feels like to be behind that center and those and that alignment, you know, like it's, it's, that's the type of thing where his experience and that ability that will help like even Joe Douglas going into free agency and then into the next season and the draft and all of these things getting kind of refining, like a little bit more of this, a little bit less of this, like that's very helpful. So regardless of if it actually becomes this Hollywood ending, like it is a really positive thing for the Jets for 2024 because you're having this opportunity now to build it with this, like, remember all last summer, we didn't know, well, is the Jets, are the Jets going to get Aaron? Like they didn't, you know, during free agency and stuff, like you kind of spend a bunch of money on Aaron Rodgers, figure it out. And of course, Green Bay was, you know, doing what Green Bay did, dragging their feet to like make it whatever. And you didn't get a chance to build it as well as you can create the foundation this season. So I, I think it's positive, like all around. In terms of Jets-Falcons now, Tim Boyle is under center. We know that. You had said earlier, Cynthia, that you like the Jets' chances in this game. What makes you say that? Well, number one, momentum isn't real, but psychology is. And the fact that Aaron Rodgers brings some hope to this team creates an opportunity for Garrett Wilson to be inspired. Not that he hasn't been playing inspired, but, you know, we all can use a little extra edge, a little extra inspiration. Brees Hall, that's really the difference maker in this one to me. It's the fact that that Falcons defense, which, by the way, they have a good defense this year. It's weird to say that because sometimes you think Falcons defense, not a thing. (laughs) But they really refine their defense. Jesse Bates was a great addition for them. Run game, though. Brees Hall's ability to impact the game, that's going to be great. But also, again, it's it's kind of like this little bit like hope goes a long way. And I, I can't quantify that. And as a math person, it sounds crazy. But it's it, that, that really makes a big difference. And who's to say that the Jets' defense pick six? Why not? You know, like that could be the, the game-changing play in this one. Oh, my God. I have to sneeze live on air. And you know what? I think I survived. 
I think uh, I, that is almost worse. You know what's worse than sneezing on a podcast or on a live show? It's when you think you have to sneeze and then it goes away. Because now right, I'm just... You, have that, you make that face, you're like... Yeah, now I now I'm just feel like I'm like a dog. I'm just like scrunching my nose a little bit. I mean, okay. I don't know what that means in terms of if that's a sign for this Sunday, but you know what? I think that's a positive sign for I don't know why. But anyway, he, here's where we're at. I agree with you in terms of the Falcons defense cuz like you don't really talk about the Falcons defense historically over the past couple of years, especially with Arthur Smith there, but to your point, a lot better. And Desmond Ritter, Cynthia, I was looking at this, 6-1 and one at home, only one win on the road this season at Tampa Bay. His touchdown-to-interception ratio in totality, I guess it's not even a ratio. It's like he has one touchdown on the road and two picks. So this is a favorable matchup for the Jets' defense, in my opinion, as long as they can take care of the ground game because statistically that is a mismatch in favor of the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I do think that like when you watch the Falcons game and you watch the last week's game, that one was interesting. They, I think because it was the saints and that's like their rival and this whole thing, those games mean a little bit, something different, right? Like you, you have it with AFC East rivals, but when you know someone and you know an opponent so well, and remember the defensive coordinator from the Falcons came from the saints names, Ryan Nielsen. He instituted that safety heavy look like all of those weird, like if you look at their breakdown of coverages and how they line up, they're pretty evenly split between like, you know, this type of zone, this type of man, like they, that you don't really know what you're going to get from them, which has historically helped the saints, but now it's helping what's going on in Atlanta. So that's a that's a good thing. Not great for Tim Boyle. That makes it a little bit harder to diagnose what's going on. But they don't have a reliable pass rush in the same way that the Jets have a really reliable pass rush. So that's going to be very interesting. You're getting kind of Desmond Ritter with with a decision to make has not been making great decisions. When it's when there's no decision, he does a much better job. Watch those completions. You're like, oh, but it's it's his first read or whatever right when he has to make some decisions it gets a little bit more dicey so that's the and it's kind of the opposite for the falcons if if tim boyle can have just enough time to hand the ball off to Brees hall or do some tricks with maybe maybe we line garrett wilson up in the backfield who cares right like get a running play like do, do i don't care no one cares they they flowers came out here in los angeles and ran that right on the charter so mm-hmm. it happens right so that's the type of thing where i think like a little bit of a little bit of tricks will will help out a lot. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the Jets do. To your point, just maybe they get a little bit of a jolt with Aaron Rodgers, not even practicing, just being full time around his teammates, being in the meeting rooms, things that we're not privy to. An extra coach on the field. And an extra coach in the meeting room, too. Absolutely. Right. I, I'm curious to see what this Jets team looks like if they look any different and uh, I think the biggest difference for me could be up front where that unit has consistently been shuffling, supposedly hopeful, getting Makai Backton back in the fo- Makai Backton. Makai Becton back in the fold. Wes Schweitzer Mackay returns Backton to practice. back in the field. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see what you did there. Very nice. <laughs> so Tim Boyle could have a, a, a more sturdy offensive line, probably a new combination for the Jets regardless, but something to keep in mind as we record here on Wednesday afternoon. Again, the Jets play Sunday at 1 o'clock. For more on this matchup, let's hear from EA. Let's hear from Coach Sala. What's it been like having Aaron Rodgers back in the building? It's been great. You know, his uh, veteran presence, leadership, um, his thoughts, his the pranks he plays on everybody. Uh, it's all, it's, it's great to have him back. 
how about his football knowledge? How much does he impress you with the way he consumes ball and the way he talks ball? Not going to lie to you, I, I'd be disappointed <laughs> if it wasn't what it is. Uh, he's played quarterback for so long. He's, I mean, let's face it, we're almost the same age. <laughs> Obviously, he's much more athletic. But, um, you know, he's uh, he's got the knowledge of a football coach and uh, with the ability to still play the game like a, like a youthful man. And uh, um, so he's... He's, he's got incredible an incredible amount of knowledge. I know he's not been out there on the field since those four snaps against the Buffalo Bills, but what's he been like as a teammate here, the way he's come back, and now he's going to be back with you guys until the end of the season? I, I think it's great. You know, um, I think the way he's fighting to get back, and I get, you know, there's a narrative and people push an agenda on how they want to, to portray what he's been doing. I, I think it's special. I think it... it um, it shows how much he wants to be a Jet. I think it shows how how important it is to get back here. I think it shows how much he cares about the sport of football. I think it shows how much he cares about his teammates, uh, his coaches, the organization, the city, all of it. Um, is there a little bit of I want to prove the world wrong? Of course there is, but that's what makes him special. Uh, that's why he's a Hall of Famer. Um, he's that chip on his shoulder of being a, uh, a late first round pick when he thought he'd be top five has never left. And, um, and I think everyone, especially the young guys, can learn a lot from him uh, and that mindset to, to, to drive to prove a lot of people wrong. What was your message to the guys when they got back in the facility on Monday? Um, you know, I think when, obviously when you're not, things aren't going the way you want. Um, you can get frustrated. Uh, you can start pressing to make things happen. Um, and the reality is the, the focus needs to just be doing what you, what you do best, having an identity, controlling what you've got control over, and, um, and just being dominant every time you have a chance to be on the, on the field. And um, you know the result has been, while the intent is right, um, there's a lot of guys pressing and losing the identity that makes them special. And so just reconnecting to that and challenging guys to, to improve over these next six weeks and to show that we are getting better and to show that we can fix mistakes and to show that um, we can compete from a play-to-play basis and show that we can, we can string together some wins too, you know. But, uh, but the focal point is on us challenging ourselves, challenging each other, challenging, our, challenging everyone in the organization to find a way to get better and, um, and to reconnect to the identity that makes us all special. How much do you think that resonated with the guys? Because I think they were coming out of the locker room the other day saying that, hey, listen, he, he said basically make these the last these six games the best six games of your life. Yeah, um, that's the message. But how do you make them the best six games of your life? It, it may not be the, the best game this week, may not be next week, but if we continually reconnect to who we are and refocus on the details, uh, and, um, and just stop pressing, just offensively from a schematic standpoint, let's get more consistency in terms of what we're trying to accomplish. Defensively, let's reconnect all the detail that makes us special with regards to tracking and tackling, um, eliminating dumb penalties, uh, uh, especially the post-snap ones. Uh, just there's so many little details from, from coaching and playing. And, um, and, I, and I feel like if we do that, we'll continually improve, especially with so many young guys who are playing on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, it's, uh, I think it's, it's been one of the, it's exciting, like really exciting to have all these young guys playing because I think it's gonna prove to be a, uh, a benefit later. But 
uh, these young guys are getting valuable playing time, and it'll be exciting to see how good they can get. What do you want to see from Tim Boyle in start number two? Uh, I, I want him to take the things that he did well in the game, uh, last game against Miami, and build on those. Um, obviously learn on the mistakes and, and find ways to eliminate those. But, uh, you know, he did do a lot of good things, and, and to build on that and just really just find a way to get better and distribute the ball when it needs to be distributed. Eight all-line starting combinations in 11 games. How difficult is that for any team? Because everybody talks about up front, the importance of continuity. Yeah, uh, you hate, it's not an excuse, it's just a fact. The, you know, it's, um, it's like the silent plague, you know, when, when the O-line gets hurt because it's not part of fantasy football, nobody really notices. And, uh, but, you know, I've, I've been very vocal that everything starts and ends up front, both offensively and defensively, and if those guys are humming, um, you're going to be pretty good. Uh, if they're not, it doesn't matter who you have around them. You can have a Hall of Fame back end, but if that D-line's not humming, it doesn't matter. You can have Hall of Fame skill guys and quarterback, but if the big boys up front aren't, aren't doing their job, uh, or if they're, they're, there's no continuity and there's guys popping in and out of the lineup, you're going to be in trouble. And, uh, and, you know, we love the five we have. I think they're very talented young men, but there's a, um, there is continuity. There is nuance to, to playing next to the dude, next, next to the man next to you. And, uh, um, you know, to, to just get a chance to get those guys to play together uh, for multiple weeks at a time is, would be freaking awesome because I do think that they would get better and, and prove to be a really good O-line. What's impressed you most about rookie center, rookie offensive lineman, Joe Tipman, who started the year for you guys at right guard. Now he's taking over the center duties. Uh, he's been great. Uh, he's gotten better every day. Um, uh, OTAs obviously came in. They Usually those college kids, they, they get in here and they're uh, fish out of water, right? And then training camp comes in and it's the first time that they, they touch a NFL lineman, if you will. And it's like, holy cow. You know, the, the amount of every single guy is stronger than the next guy, you know? And it's uh, different than coming from a Big Ten school where you play, you know, some small town uh, Division One AA school or whatever it is now. But uh, everybody is, uh, is the best player they've ever played in their life. And so there's an adjustment. And, um, you know, what's exciting about him is going through training camp and watching him through the Cleveland game. Then Carolina really thought he took on a whole nother step. And that for me is when I got really excited about the potential in, in him. And, um, he got his opportunity to start at guard after the, uh, uh, second week, I believe. And, um, he got better and better, suffered the injury, bounced back, jumped into a new spot. He's been getting better and better. And, I think he's going to be a really darn good football player for a very long time for us. He's, he's an exciting uh, exciting young man. Do you like these matchups? It's a December game. You guys are a Northeastern team, and you're taking on Atlanta, who's obviously comfortable playing inside. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I never really um, – Atlanta plays a style of football that travels. Hmm. It's run game and defense. Um, you know, you're in special teams, you always argue that your run game, defense, and special teams – they always travel. Doesn't matter the venue. Doesn't matter the weather. Doesn't matter the team. Uh, they will travel from from uh, venue to venue and from city to city and from climate to climate. And uh, so we're, we've got a really tough opponent coming in. They run the ball really well, and uh, um, you know it's it's going to be a battle. But you got an advanced scouting report on the quarterback Desmond Ritter yeah. from your days down there in Mobile, where you guys were coaching in the Senior Bowl. For sure, I love Desmond. Um, uh, he is. You know, coming out of the senior ball, I was like, this dude's got kind of like that it factor. Mm. You know, like he's uh, 
super talented. Uh, he's got a tremendous mindset, tremendous confidence. Uh, quick story on him. Uh, I think we we're somewhere in the middle of the fourth quarter. I think we were down a score, if I remember right. And uh, walked up to him and said, you ready for this big drive? And he said, we're going to score. And <laughs> we, we went right down. We scored. He walked off the field and he said, told you. I was like, this dude, he's the whole, the whole week was just fantastic. And uh, just working with him and his, and just was really excited to see where he would end up. And when he ended up in Atlanta, I was quick to text Arthur and said, he's going to be your favorite player, buddy. Yeah. So, yeah, he's been, he's, he's awesome. Bijan Robinson. He exploded last week. How are they using him in that offense? He's he's an explosive back, super talented. They're starting to ramp up his uh, his his usage, um, but he's a three down back, inside outside. Uh, he can line up at receiver. He can run inside the tackles, run outside the tackles. He can play in the in the pass game. He's he's pretty dynamic. How about them defensively? Uh, starting up front with Calais Campbell. Yeah, he's ageless. Uh, no, I mean, he's going to be age. playing when he's 50. And then uh, how about Jesse Bates in the back end? For sure, the ageless wonder. Um, they, uh, they, they've improved a lot on defense. Uh, I think they're doing a really nice job. They play fast. They play aggressive. They're good up front. Uh, they're good in the back end, very instinctive. Um, they're sound in what they do. And, um, you know, they've, they're, they're, they're playing very good football. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Heads up, Jets fans. There are more identity threats than most people realize. And you can't catch them all on your own. It takes a team. LifeLock catches the identity threats you could miss. If something happens, your own U.S.-based identity restoration specialist will work to fix it. Backed by our Million Dollar Protection Package. Plus, Jets fans can score 35% off their first year. Go to LifeLock.com Jets. Or use promo code JETS at checkout. That's 35% off LifeLock.com. Shout out to Coach Sala. Shout out to EA. This is the Game Preview Podcast presented by LifeLock. John Polano back in the house. JP, what's up, dude? This is just like my favorite part of the week. I get to hang out with you, Jets expert, cooking aficionado. <laughs> I get to hang out with Cynthia, just all around statistical genius, fellow running expert. It's just I get marathon to, runner. Marathon runner. I just get to learn so much. In this like 25 minutes I get to spend with you guys, it's just the best part of my week. Oh wow, that makes me feel. Besides really game happy. day, besides game day, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say there needs to be something else involved there. <laughs> anyway, Polano, what do we have? <laughs> what do we have cooking this week? So we did this a bunch of weeks ago, but we're gonna bring break back out the Mad Libs. Ooh, we're they're a little bit shorter this time, a little bit less context, kind of just let you guys cook with your expertise a little bit. Okay, I'm game, Cynthia. That sound good to you? Obviously. All right. Let's ride. All right. First, we're going to start with the Falcons offense. So, Falcons head coach Arthur Smith has kind of gotten a bad rap over the last 9, 10, 11 weeks, even going back to last season where they have all these top weapons like tight end Kyle Pitts, like running back B. John Robinson, like wide receiver Drake London, all these really highly drafted guys. And before I even share the Mad Lib, Cynthia, as like our national correspondent who sometimes talks to these people, knows these people, is this a real thing or is this just a... Twitter concept that Arthur Smith is depriving these really good players of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have her. Do you have her? Oh, Cynthia, you're like doing the no. thing again. Is it better? Is it better oh, now? It's yeah. just weird that it turns off on its own. All right. Sorry. We're back here. So two things you need to know about Arthur Smith. Number one, he's actually really funny. When you're around him, <laughs> I, I did not know this. Like he's super, super funny. I did East West Shrine Bowl last year and the Falcon staff was one of the staffs that did it. It was Falcon staff and Patriot staff. Yo, that was a lot. But Arthur Smith was very, very funny. Number two, 
He doesn't care about your fantasy team. Now, I know that it seems like you'd like to have, like, Bajan Robinson just absolutely go ham. And it's weird that the first deep touchdown reception that Bajan had, because remember, if you go back to his Texas film, he was a, a receiving weapon, too. He's like a reverse Debo Samuel. So the first time that – there's only been, by the way, two running backs – who've scored deep touchdowns. Those are 20-plus air yard touchdowns. Bajan's the second one. Saquon was the first one back in week, like, one or two mm. or whatever. So it, it's just – it's weird, but also you have to remember they have to, like, do what's best for their team. And Bajan's still a rookie. People kind of forget that because they drafted him so high in their fantasy. they like, I need him to perform. But you still have Desmond Ritter. They had some weird concerns about what's going on at their quarterback position they did they have to do what they believe is best for their team so he he doesn't care about your fantasy team is really what it boils down to <laughs> that's kind of rough because i have Bijan in a lot of fantasy leagues but i know what do you, you should have listened to me first though because i knew after east west shrine i knew they love tyler algier and power this year is working run in the a gap people mm. that's what's been working this season against the way the defensive fronts have been trading in and out so much Back to old school smash mouth, smash mouth football. That's what's been working. Well, Wild. So, so that might fit directly into the Mad Lib. I have to read it off here for you guys. The Falcons oh, are the Falcons' offense is at its best. Which, by the way, the Falcons are averaging twenty four and a half points per game over their last couple games after they hadn't eclipsed it. They eclipsed twenty points like twice in the first mm-hmm. seven weeks. So the Falcons are at their best when blank on offense has the ball in their hands. What would you guys say? And Ethan, for you, this is also like who in your mind scares you the most for yeah, the Jets. Yeah, I, I understand. So, so, wait, can you repeat the Mad Lib? The Falcons are at their best when blank has the ball in their hands on offense. Ooh. All right, Cynthia, you go first. I guess my answer would probably still have to be Bajan. However, I would also add in, I need Caleb McGarry. That's their, look, O-line matters, right? When McGarry has a great, a great game, that allows all of the running backs to work and the pass catchers to work. Drake London works way better when he has just like a beat more time, right? So I would say probably Bajan, but only if also Tyler Algier is working and also just enough Desmond Ritter to get the ball to Drake London. Yeah, I agree with Cynthia here uh, for a couple of reasons. Like from from my perspective as like someone who doesn't pay as much attention like nationally, you take a look at the the numbers just in terms of matchups. The Jets have the second worst rush defense in the NFL. The Falcons have the fourth best rushing offense in the NFL. And Robinson is a huge, huge, huge reason for that. He's eighth in the league in rushing, and he's dynamic. Uh, you mean if you follow any football person on Twitter, feels like every Sunday you're watching Robinson shake, miss, make a guy miss, put a guy on skates. And I think from from the Jets' perspective, like their defense matches up well with pretty much every offensive skill player at receiver and tight end. And like I said, the the rushing defense has been the kryptonite. So to me, if the Jets can contain Robinson on Sunday, I think they'll be in a good spot. All right. And just for people... A little easier to contain Robinson when you can... They don't have like, you know... I think of like the Dolphins game and you have to worry about Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and whoever else they throw out there, right? Whereas in this game, I mean, outside of Drake London and maybe Kyle Pitts, who are you worried about? Yeah. 
No, that's fair. As that's, a pass catcher. That's fair. Right? Just for people who don't know, Bijan has 703 yards rushing this year, three touchdowns, 32 catches for 240 yards, and three touchdowns. So despite all my disdain for Arthur Smith this year in terms of fantasy <laughs> stuff, he still has had really good production and still been really valuable, especially with the two touchdowns last year. And uh, as someone who has worked for the Jets for a couple seasons, <laughs> Kyle Pitts' first touchdown came against the Jets in <laughs> London. I remember that was like a big thing. Like Kyle Pitts finally gets in the end zone, happens to be against the Jets, and it still did not happen in the United States of America. That's right. That's rough. That's rough. That's, right. Yeah. I want to kind of parlay this into what you were just talking about with the Jets. We don't know defense. what parlays are. We don't. No, bet. parlay. I connect, connect the <laughs> dots with it. To speak in French. To speak in yes. French. Parlez-vous français? Right. Parlez. Well, I can't speak French, but okay. we're going to connect the dots here. And I want to yeah. go straight into the Jets run defense because that's kind of what also one of my Mad Libs was about. Obviously, the Jets defense has allowed 148 rushing yards over the last three contests. But in their wins, they're only av- they're only giving up 101 yards per game. So definitely the positive run defense is equating two victories. Yeah. Ethan, as you are a guy who has boots on the grounds here, and obviously I am too, but you're the expert. <laughs> Why have the Jets in the last three weeks struggled to defend yeah. the run? It's a good question. Uh, I mean, so it's the last three games where the Dolphins, the Raiders... I'm missing one. What am I? But I re- regardless, I think the answer is playing with a lead. Like, I, I think that from a Jets defensive perspective, the only time we've really seen the defense kind of like unlock and truly unlock was late in the game against Denver. And obviously that was the Quincy Williams sack and then sack force fumble that was scooped up from Bryce Hall. Like, mm. the Jets defense in the second half of that game playing with a little bit of a lead and not like a big one, a minor one was able to really start to get after Russell Wilson in that game. And I think that when the Jets defense and their secondary, their back end is so good, but when you're playing from behind, teams are going to run it on you, and over time, that wears on you. And over time, like when you're playing from behind, you have to start to take shots in the passing game. Maybe you're, I don't know what the numbers are, but I imagine your three and out likelihood increases, which means less rest time for your defense, which means more tired in the run game. I just think it's like kind of a perfect storm. And I know that doesn't answer the defense question specifically, but I don't think it's a simple question. I think the answer to your question actually is on offense. No, I 100% agree. And I kind of, that leads into the Mad Live, but for both of you, Blank will help the Jets slow down the Falcons' rush attack, which you already hit on their number, their numbers, and force quarterback Desmond Ritter to throw against the Jets' top six secondary in both yeah. touchdowns and yards allowed. So, who would you guys fit into the spot? Who is a priority to kind of re-grab the rope? Because the run defense was good at the start of the year. Yeah, it had its its gaps, but maybe as things have kind of gone down the road here, as you've described, they've struggled. So maybe I'll start with Cynthia. Ethan looks like he's really deep in thought. No, I mean, I, like, I agree with all, everything that you're saying. Also, I just have to point it out. Like, I think it's, like, Bills, Raiders, and Dolphins. Uh, the Bills' offense isn't their problem, and the Dolphins' offense is pretty incredible. So that also can make your defense not have as great of numbers when you have, like, a pretty, like, two of the kind of premier offenses. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Dolphins put up 70 on the Broncos. So let's, you know, remember that. So, but, but ultimately I think to answer your question about stopping the run, I'm actually going to like, like, I'd like to say it's someone along the line that's going to be a run stopper, but I think I got to go with Quincy and maybe even, maybe even like Bryce Huff, Huff being like 
running at Desmond Ritter so he can't doesn't have time to think, right? So my answer is probably a combination of both of those two. You know, it's funny. I was going to say Quincy too because it feels like I think most people, if you were to ask most people this question, I think most people would be like, oh, Quinnen, right? Like all pro interior defensive tackle. like, uh -huh. I, And I understand that. But if you want to talk about like injecting a little bit of life into a, into a team, Quinnen's capable, absolutely, especially in the run game. But it feels like in the beginning of the year, Quincy just was coming out of nowhere to fly through a gap, deplete a running back, do the uppercut celebration. And like that to me is infectious because let's say it's first and 10. Quincy does that on first down. It's second and 13. Then what do you do? All right, let's say you run it again. You're probably in third and long. And then in third and long against this Jets defense, to Cynthia's point, then you get Bryce Huff, as Baldy calls him, the Bugatti. You start to open up the garage. The Bugatti starts to hum a little bit. Like, that's the recipe, okay? And I think Cynthia's, like, making a face because that <laughs> has to be about the nickname, right? I, I just, it is. And I just, every time, Baldy and his... I love when he like has his finger out here and he's like the Bugatti and you're like your fingers pointing in the your fingers pointing the entire opposite direction. How, how do you like, think? You know, one of my favorite photos of Baldy and what one of my favorite things about him is that he does the Baldy breakdowns like in life situations, not even football. Like he'll be doing it like in the Atlantic Ocean, doing stuff under the water where he's like breaking down fish and whatever. There's a photo of Brian Baldinger standing next to a surfboard trying to put like what, <laughs> what people would do like the, the hang 10. Yeah. Hang 10. Thank you. But it's really like a North South compass situation <laughs> because the pinky is just right down. It's hang noon to six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, so it's just, he's incredible. <laughs> He's the best. He's the best. <laughs> I love Aldi. I like he's so much fun to work with, but that finger every time. <laughs> it's a, like, it's so crazy. Uh what crazy. I don't even remember what we were talking about. It's all good. We can roll on. How much time do we have left? Yeah, we got a couple. All right. I want to talk about the Falcons pass rush. Is that okay with everybody? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Do it. You drive this ship. Blah. Because for those who do not live under a rock, the Jets obviously have a new starting quarterback in Tom Boyle, as you mentioned, off of the top. But for those who have not been paying a ton of attention to the Jets, he's been under fire. Um, seven sacks in their first matchup that he started against the Dolphins. That's fifth most for a quarterback in a game this year, behind his good friend Zach Wilson, who had eight uh, a bunch of weeks ago. Um, and the, it doesn't get any easier with them playing the Falcons this week, who have the ninth highest pressure rate in the NFL. So, Arnold Epiket, how do you say Arnold's last name? The Falcons pass rusher? Epiketti. Epiketti leads the Falcons with four and a half sacks, but I kind of want somebody that has been a catalyst for this Falcons pass rush that is not named Arnold. Do you guys have something <laughs> for that? <laughs> uh, I think Cynthia would be more equipped yes. to answer this question. But I, you know, I can have my, you know, thirty thousand Jesse foot. Bates. Jesse, Jesse. I know Bates. that it's, I'm going to pick a, I'm going to pick a safety, but I think Jesse Bates. Why? Because this guy's doing just crazy things, helping. Like, you know, AJ Terrell is on the outside. He's a corner. He's doing well. Younger guy. The fact that you have the middle of the field is such a problem for opposing quarterbacks. Gives just an inch more of time for that pass rush to be very helpful. So. While I don't necessarily like it's that Saints philosophy, right? That safety needs to be like just absolutely 
soul crushing. And that's what's been, that's part of what's been helpful is the secondary working with the front to just get that beat more time because it's not like they have like this world beater in terms of like, like when you hear the names of these guys, like we don't, we barely even know how to pronounce it. Right. It's not like you're sitting here being like, Oh, there's miles Garrett and there's Quinn and <laughs> Williams. And like, these are not names that we talk about. And there's Chris Jones, right? Like these are guys that are like, Oh, there's like, it's working together. Right. But it's really, to me, I think that Jesse Bates is a straw that stirs a drink here. You're absolutely right. In terms of the names, I'm just looking at their sack leaders. Mm-hmm. Calais Campbell and Bud Dupree both have three. You're like, oh, I know, I know of Calais Campbell and Bud Dupree, Arnold Ebiketti. I mean, if you're doing play-by-play for this game, shout out to Bob Oshusen, ESPN Radio. If you're doing uh, whoever is actually calling the game, you got your work cut out for you. Arnold Ebiketti, David Onyemata, three and a half sacks for the Atlanta Falcons. Then you get your Calais Campbell and your Bud Dupree. That's all. That honestly, that's all I have to add in terms of this Mad Lib. No, it's good to share all those names because I think those names do need to be mentioned. But I love Cynthia's point about Jesse Bates. I mean, the guy seemed like kind of an underrated signing from Cincinnati when he left, and he's just been absolutely fantastic. One thing, how about this? Um, Troy Anderson, the Falcons linebacker, I'm almost positive, played like eight positions in college. He was like the quarterback, the linebacker, the running back, which is just like incredible. I think he went to Montana State, something, something like that. So yeah, the, uh, that's that's all I have to add there. All right, all right, all right. Last one, last one, and this is I think this is one of Ethan's just favorite things about the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, oh, the game will be played at home at MedLife Stadium, but say we were going on the road to Atlanta. One of the best parts about Mercedes-Benz Stadium that Ethan particularly likes is the Chick-fil-A located on the inside of the stadium. Closed on Sundays. Closed on Sundays. You have to respect sticking to your guns there. That is a company rule. And you know what? That is just incredible that in in a stadium where that seats thousands, (laughs) 70 plus thousand people, you could be reeling in moolah if you opened one location, a single one. A single one in the stadium. They stick to the I guns. I don't understand why they, they stick did to the that. Guns. I, I'm I'm like, why? Why do you put that in there? Like if this stadium is primarily used for football and you are wasting that space. I, I don't get it. Thursday night football though, you best believe that place is bumping. Yeah. Bumping. Yeah. All, right. Sure. All right. What's the question though? Cynthia and Ethan are going to Chick-fil-A and they are ordering Ooh. Blank. Ooh. I will leave it as a blank Ooh. blank canvas. Ooh. Well, Polano shut the laptop. Fun fact <laughs> for those listening, the first ever location of said place that Polano was talking about was founded outside of Atlanta, which is why we're here. And which is also why I did chicken tenders for my cooking video this week. But love it. It's if a preview. Cynthia and I are do we have to order the same thing? No. Oh, okay. I didn't know if it was like a you know, we, we needed to agree upon something. I think you should order for each <laughs> other, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> If I'm ordering for Cynthia, if I'm ordering for Cynthia, I'm thinking that it's one of two things. Cynthia, uh, to my knowledge, is a very clean eater or try, and tries to be when applicable. Mm-hmm. So that eliminates anything with a bun unless it was a full cheat day. But I'm going to go with the eliminate for the bun. So no sandwich, no nothing. Now, here's where it gets interesting. There are grilled chicken options, but... <laughs> I'm thinking, you know what? Cynthia likes to eat clean. She also likes to have a good time. She's a a very joyful person. 
Therefore, spicy chicken nuggets or plain chicken nuggets, a little bit of breading, could be worse, could be better. Dip those SOBs in, I'm going to just say ranch. That, that I don't know. All right. uh, that sounds is delicious. That, am I like on brand here? I think you're good. Yeah, the spicy for sure. I think spicy. I don't know. I just Oh, the mic did it again. Son the of mic a- did it again. <laughs> is it better now? Yeah, it's better. I don't know why it just turns off. Anyways, we're, we're, I'm going to figure this out. But I think you're right. Spicy is the way to go for me always. I love a good spicy situation. And I'm with you. I like the ranch to like counteract it, but I love all <laughs> sauces. All sauces. So that's but, good. But for you, yeah, okay. I would go breakfast. I would Ooh. get you. I would get you the breakfast chicken, like the the classic, like, you know, with the fried chicken on the breakfast bun, because it just feels like like a good like you had a fr- and fun night out with your friends. And, you know, this is like something you wouldn't necessarily do for yourself. Mm. So I think, you know, like the morning one is really good with like the egg and the chicken. And oh, all man. Uh, OK, first of all, that's a great call, because <laughs> when I was in Las Vegas for the Pro Bowl, I indulged in a breakfast burrito from this place. And it changed my life. You're talking tots in the burrito. You're talking nuggets in the burrito. I've not been able to stop talking about the burrito since, but I haven't had it since. And I live a couple blocks away from one. So this weekend, maybe I'll enjoy myself a nice Friday night, Washington, Oregon, and then get a little breakfast burrito in the morning. Love it. Absolutely love it. That's all I got. That was great. That was was a good pull. That was a good pull. (laughs) And... just out of curiosity, since I mentioned Washington, Oregon, and you're a West Coaster, where, where do we side right now? Gordy's a Husky, so we're going to go with Washington. Okay. Right. You know, right. That is the perfect way to end week 13. A little Husky, a little Chick-fil-A, a little bit of everything. You got Aaron Rodgers in the house. You got Robert Sala in the house. That's how we end the Game Preview Podcast presented by LifeLock. We'll be back same time, same place next week as the Jets prepare for the Houston Texans.